Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, one of the associate pastors of West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene, and it's my privilege to be with you again today for Reconciling Grace. Joining me today on the panel are Mick Wells, who is the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program. He's been part of the Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980, and since 1980 is probably before our other panelist, Steve Wilson, was born. I was born in 1980. Oh, right. Well, then about the same time. So Steve is with us. Steve is a uh, master's degree holder from United Theological Seminary in Dayton. He is a Christian author, and it's good to have both of you gentlemen with us today. Last time on Reconciling Grace, we dealt with the question of what is the church? And as we discussed this, I think we all came to the same thought or same idea that it would be great to continue this with kind of a follow-up question of what is the church's role in the world? And I think that a lot of times the idea is the church should be there and be a place that you go to on Sunday mornings and you say your prayers and that's all that the church should do in the world. And I think that a lot of people in this world would be very happy if that's all the church did. What do you guys think hey, about don't, that? Don't forget the potlucks. The potlucks, yeah. right. Potlucks is a big role of the church. That's sacred. Yeah, God be with you until we eat again. <laughs> eat again. <laughs> that's the name of a song that Mick wrote many years ago and that I actually sang during concerts uh, with your with your soundtracks. Oh, so, my, well. Yeah, and so, uh, yes, the potlucks. But it seems like if you think about the things in the world, a lot of times when you talk about the, the thoughts of the people in the world who maybe aren't part of the church, kind of like what we asked last time about what is the church, what kind of things do people think about when they think about what the church should do? Do you guys have any um, ideas about that? I think that uh, people are drawn to churches for a variety of reasons, but and I can't quote you a source on this, but years ago I heard that people will naturally gravitate and associate with an assembly of believers if they feel uh, love and acceptance. It was Doctrine wasn't really the primary thing back then. Uh, there may be severe flaws in some local doctrines, I don't know, but the people were drawn because they had comfort, they had friendship, they had a sense of belonging and acceptance. I think a lot of people would, uh, you know, have the attitude toward the church of, I'll come to you, don't come to me. Um, go ahead and, and go to church if you want to, but I don't need to hear about it. In other words, you do your thing, I'll do mine. Right. And I don't think that that would be off base at all for the way a lot of people think. And then you have the way that people think within the church. And uh, it's been kind of an interesting walk that I have had in my in my uh, spiritual development from the days when I was first saved as a uh, seven or eight year old, and before that even uh, being brought to church uh, more regularly at first when I was earlier than six years old, and then my parents kind of didn't have us go all the time to the point where I didn't have any 
church background really at all until I went to college and was shown that I needed to give my whole life to Jesus Christ. And I was in one denomination, then another and another. I'm Church of the Nazarene now, but I like to call myself a Catholutometherine just because I've had so many different denominations that have influenced me. And um, it's been interesting to see even what people inside the churches um, go through. And one of the things that I'd like to do today by starting off is with a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Did one of you guys have that one looked up? Can I read it? Says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And that comes from um, Old Testament scripture, even from Isaiah 52 and Ezekiel 20. I remember hearing this particular scripture quoted, not just the way you read it, Steve, which I believe is from the New International Version, but from the King James Version. I remember hearing it, come out from among them and be ye separate. You know, you have to have the ye in there because that was King James. and um, It just sounds so much better, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds so much more authoritative. In many ways, it does. It does. And uh, I'm not trying to make fun of that. But the reason I wanted to bring in that King James version is because I remember when I was in my probably mid-20s or so, there were a lot of churches. When I'm saying churches, I mean denominations, local uh, churches that really took it seriously that we should not really be mingling as Christians with the outside world to the point where I remember listening to a Christian radio station and it was not Faith and Friends Radio. Faith and Friends Radio was not around at that time. But I was listening to a station and it wasn't the radio station, but it was a commercial that was running on the radio station. And there was a certain church, and I don't remember what the church was, that was advertising for a Christians-only bowling league that was forming. (laughs) And it started out with the words, come out and be ye separate. And the idea, if I remember correctly, was that there would only be Christians here, so there would be no smoking and no drinking, and the fellowship would be just Christians in this place. And they took very seriously the idea of being separate from the world. Have you ever heard anything such as that in your upbringing, Mick? Well, yes, but I I think you can take this to uh, quite an extreme. And I know you're going to get into this, but uh, Jesus, um, well, if we look at Jesus as a model, he ate with sinners, and and uh, maybe he wouldn't follow that kind of, of uh, segregation, if you will. You know, I was thinking too, Steve, that or not Steve and Pete, that uh, the quote from Isaiah here that you talked about. Uh, if you look back at how that was directed, the the Israelites were in exile in Babylon, and this instruction was to them, and they got to go home. You know, they got to be freed from exile, and these the God basically is wanting the Christians, or the believers in this case in the Old Testament, to uh, 
keep their religion undefiled. You remember what happened when the Israelites mixed with the Canaanites? It was a big mess. And so in leaving Babylon, he says, I want you to be separate and, and not take anything with you that's, that's unclean. So I, I think what it's looking for is not so much to segregate yourself completely and isolate yourself from the world, but to avoid compromise, if you will, concerning the, the purity of the relationship with the Lord and, and honoring him. And these words are in the Bible, and, and I hope that I'm not coming across it because I don't want to come across this way as being condescending towards anybody who feels that there needs to be separation. Um, there are some people who have that sincerely held belief. I don't want to make it sound like, well, I think differently, so I'm better than you are. If God is telling you to be separate, then by all means, be separate. And we all need a time of separation. Absolutely. Right? We, we take a time of separation uh, every Sunday morning for most of us where we go and we gather with other Christians and uh, are encouraged by their presence and, and kind of renew ourselves before we go back out into the world um, and face the temptations and the, um, and I guess, the, the defiling nature of the world. Mm -hmm. We are not um, immune to the pollution when I'm saying pollution, I don't mean like air pollution, smog, but the pollution of sin in the world, even as Christians. And I think that brings us to the next um, scripture that I wanted us to look at and kind of compare and contrast it with what we just read in 2 Corinthians. And these words in John chapter 17, verses 15 to 18, are words of Jesus. And Mick, did you have those? Sure, I'll share that. Jesus uh, prays, my prayer is not that you, you, speaking to the Father now, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. So, Jesus is not asking God the Father to remove the Christians from the world. What does it say here? It says that he is not praying that God would take them out of the world, but that God the Father would protect them from the evil one. Verse 16, I love this, is they are not of the world, meaning the Christians are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Mick, you kind of alluded to it a little bit ago. Jesus did not always separate himself. In fact, he rarely separated himself, except for what Steve, like what you mentioned, to get away, to pray, maybe to be with his disciples. At times, the Bible talks about when he went away and prayed all night in a solitary place. But for the most part, he was chastised and basically scrutinized by the religious leaders of the day. Why? Because he would dare to fellowship with these unclean people. And I use the word unclean in quotes. Um, they were ceremonially unclean based on the Jewish religious laws of the day. you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think you're right, Pete. I, I recall that uh, he was chastised for eating with... Uh, 
tax collectors and sinners. It's interesting to me that the scripture distinguishes those two, but it kind of puts them in the same boat. He was he was associating with the unclean, and I think that speaks volumes today about what we should do. You know, we face a challenge in the everyday world when we're surrounded by swearing and lying and all kinds of things, and we need to keep our focus on Jesus Christ. And I, I think there's a wonderful verse in the scripture, I don't know which one it is, but it tells Christians in, who are living in a, in a fallen world, says, always be prepared to share the reason for the hope that you have. And so when we shine our light before men, which is reflection of the light of God, it doesn't say we're going to go out necessarily and beat people over the head with a Bible and, and try to, uh, what should I say, uh, purposefully evangelize them on the spot, but God's going to open those doors. Somebody's going to come up and see the hope that you have, the light that's being reflected in your life, and you should be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. That's an open door. That's God saying, in, in a wicked world, you can share me, and I will open an opportunity for you. And, and uh, that came to mind when we were talking about this uh, not being separate. I like that, and uh, we're going to go on into a little bit more of that as we continue. But right now, we do need to take just a moment to have a word from our sponsor. And this is Pete Becky back with you, joined by Mick Wells and Steve Wilson, and we are talking about what is the church's role in the world. And right before we had to take a break for that commercial message, I was about to ask Steve if he wanted to elaborate on anything that had just been said. I think when we talk about being separate, there's more than just the physical separation. Right? There's a spiritual separation where Christians are called to be separate, called to be different, called to be holy. And so we can be uh, very much in the world, but not of the world, because uh, God has called us to be different. And we are different, and I think that kind of goes a little bit along with, maybe more than a little bit along with what Mick was saying about being prepared to share that hope that we have. I was thinking as you were talking, Mick, that it's not so much about um, following our rules and following our different ways of doing things, but being that light that you mentioned and sharing through relationship rather than through doctrine, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think that's well put. I would agree. And I think that brings me to the question really then, so what are we as Christians supposed to be doing? What is our role, whether it be through doctrine, whether it be through relationship, um, whatever it might be, the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 5, verses 17 to 20, has some wonderful words from the Apostle Paul. Steve, do you happen to have those where you could uh, read those verses quickly? Sure. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. 
The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So four verses, and in those four verses, a form of the word reconcile is in there five times. Mm -hmm. Something tells me we need to be about reconciliation. What is, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation means, and that's exactly where I was going to be going with that, Steve, so thank you for the question because that's a perfect segue, is to bring together, to bring something together. Jesus Christ brought together again human beings with God the Father. We were separated from God going all the way back to Genesis 3 when humanity sinned. They chose to go their own way rather than God's way. And that drove a wedge in that relationship between humans and God the Father. Jesus came in order to bridge that gap, to be able to bring human beings back into fellowship with God the Father. Now, there's so many things we could get into there theologically, but I like to put it this way. Jesus began the work of reconciliation when he died on that cross. He's asked us to continue that work as we move forward, not that we are the ones who die to, on the cross, not that we died for anybody else, but that we are to continue what he started by bringing people to him. It says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. When you think of the word ambassador, what do you think about? Either one of you have an idea? One who represents Another with power and authority. Spokesperson. When I think of the word ambassador, usually, if it's not in a Christian context, I think of the United States government or some other government in the world where the person who goes to a foreign country, for instance, is representing that government. Now, the ambassador from the United States to whatever country you may want to say, and this doesn't have to do with just the United States, probably does not have, and in and, and the United States, they do not have any legal authority to, for instance, make a pact with another country. But when those people from that foreign country see this ambassador from the United States, they are supposed to know that that person represents the United States and that government. And from a theological standpoint, we as Christians are supposed to represent Jesus Christ. And so hopefully, what non-Christians see when they see us is that they see Jesus Christ being reflected in our lives. Does that kind of go along, Mick, with what you were talking about before, that reflection of Jesus? 
Well, I, I think so. I think the light that we have has been given to us uh, by God. It's actually a reflection of, of his light. The word says God is light. And um, I, I believe that even though I'm not perfect, the world is quick to point out imperfections, especially in Christians in my experience. But we are, we are positioned so that people should see God and the character of God, how it's impacted our lives, and they should know that there's something different about us. And uh, we should be able to uh, be prepared to come forward and say why that's the case. And none of us is Jesus. You know, I've often heard the phrase, and it's probably a good 15 years old or more now, where people used to wear those bands on their wrists that say WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, that's a good thought. But at the same time, I've long, long ago realized that I am not Jesus. I don't have all the gifts that Jesus had. We have different gifts. And Steve, before we started our our broadcast today, you were talking to me a little bit about the fact that um, maybe not everyone is called to be an evangelist. And would you like to expand a little bit on that? Well, as we're talking about being ambassadors, an ambassador is a spokesperson. Uh, They don't come up with their own ideas of what they want to say or their own policies, uh, but they represent what the government, as you said, um, would would ask them to say and, and how they'd ask them to represent it. But not all of us are quite as verbal. Not all of us are quite as out as outgoing. Um, so to carry that message of reconciliation um, isn't just a, a speaking uh, kind of role, but it can be nonverbal. It can be in the way that that we live our lives. Uh, We can represent Christ. It can be in the different purposes or passions that we have, the different uh, things that we participate in. Uh, For instance, some people have a passion to feed the hungry. They're not going to go out and share the message of Jesus, you know, with with strangers or or anything, but they're going to give a lot of money and they're going to volunteer to feed people. And, and that's something that, that's showing their heart for God, that's showing God's compassion toward others. That's a way of representing Christ. And not every single person, I think the converse would be kind of true, might not be uh, the kind who is going to go out and be the one to give a lot of money and physically feed the hungry, but might have another way of showing it. You know, this goes great along with the idea of what we talked about last time, of what is the church being the body of Christ, because when you look at the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12, for instance, it talks about the fact that there's one body but many members, and each each member has a separate function. And I think that's a wonderful um, way of putting it, Steve, that you just talked about, that each person has to follow what he or she is called to do, being an ambassador, because we are all gifted differently. We need to, I believe share the gospel, not just in what we say, but in how we live. And folks, I'm going to say it right now, it does matter how we live. I think there are some people who want to profess Christ and um, say that they want to live any old way they want to live, but their lifestyle doesn't necessarily reflect Jesus Christ. 
And I don't think that by living in certain ways, you're actually going to be a good witness to what Jesus is like. Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that the world is watching us, and if we're reflecting, reflecting the light of Jesus, it's not through coarse joking and, and um, lies and deceit. I, I think we have to be consistent with uh, God's moral values because people are watching us. And my biggest fear is that they look at me and, and, and try to characterize God by how I live. I'm an imperfect person. I'm the first to admit it. But I think that we are obliged to live as Christ wants us to live. And a lot of times that means modifying relationships or audiences, uh, roles and things, so that we're not going to bring any disgrace uh, to God. You know, if, if, if the office folks are watching something that's off color, we may want to excuse ourselves and go somewhere else not because we're better than thou, it's because that's not consistent with how I want to re represent Jesus. I think it's also a call to be honest when we do make mistakes. Um, I had, uh, so my dad told me once, he said, well, Christians think they can make any mistake and it's okay because God forgives them. Uh, almost as if Christians don't feel bad when they sin. Um, but I think, you know, if we do make a mistake, uh, we, we need to humble ourselves, not just before God, not just before other Christians, but even non-Christians who, who saw that and, you know, be honest and say, look, you know, that's, that's not really how I want to live. That's not, um, how I want to portray myself or my God. Will you forgive me for that? And, and I think those people who who look at Christians and say, well, they don't have any integrity, they're, they're hypocrites, uh, that kind of honesty and humility will speak volumes to them. I believe it's along these lines, um, I think you said it in a great way, Steve, let me put it a different way too, that people will see us, hopefully, and see us and say, there's something different about that person. I don't know what it is you have, but I kind of like what you got. And, of course, that's when we can say that what we got is the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ living within us, guiding us, prompting us, leading us in all we do. Not saying that we're going to be perfect. Steve, you said it great, um, because we will make mistakes. And how humbling is it to actually say to somebody, I was wrong, please forgive me. I think that's something that we need to always do and be willing to do, whether we make a mistake in in offending somebody, whether we just get selfish. I mean, let's face it, we're, we're imperfect. We can get selfish. We... I, I think the Lord also um, helps Christians by having others look at how we handle adversity. Uh, when I left, when I retired from my position most recently in, in the work world at my farewell uh, gathering, uh, I was explaining to them the, the challenges I have with a, uh, a son who's into substance abuse, and I was asking for prayer. And 
they're seeing, okay, he's not in a perfect world. He's wrestling with things, but he's also looking to God. I, I want to send that message in manners like that. And I think you did, probably. You were an ambassador for Jesus Christ, and you're trying to reconcile people to Jesus, and Jesus will reconcile them to God the Father. Reconcile. Reconciling grace. Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, this is Pete Vecchi, and all of us are available to you if you would ever like to contact us, maybe to speak to your church. Send us an email to RG, which stands for Reconciling Grace, RG at faithandfriendsradio.com. If you have a question you'd like to have us discuss, send an email to the same address. And again, for Steve and for Mick, this is Pete Vecchi. Thank you for joining us today. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.